Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Saleo Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. Hi, this is Kara Kamke, Conservation Warden here in Appleton, and welcome to another hour of Living the Outdoors here on The Score. Attention, turkeys! From the tree stand that is the Fast Sign Studios, more than fast, more than signs, this is your home for the ultimate outdoor discussion. It's Living the Outdoors with Mark Druick. From hunting and fishing to the trends and gear you need to be successful in the wild, be part of the show by calling 281-1570 or 866-653-1570. Now your host, Mark Druick. Greetings and welcome to Living the Outdoors here on The Score. Glad to have you with us tonight. Glad to be back in the studio. Uh, had an enjoyable vacation up in northern Wisconsin. Did some grouse hunting, did some duck hunting. Spent some time in the outdoors, and uh, it was most enjoyable. But uh, glad to have you with us tonight. It is our monthly edition of Ask a Game Warden. Warden Kara Kamke is with us here in the studio. If you have any questions or comments, 281-1570 or 866-653-1570. We'd love to hear from you. And please keep the emails coming to liveintheoutdoorswi at gmail.com. You can uh, also follow me on Instagram, and that's living the out- outdoors, living the. And I try to keep things posted up there. I'm a little bit more active this time of year than I am any other time of the year. I spend the most amount of time in the outdoors these next couple of months. So, again, if you have any questions, give us a call. Uh, other than that, uh, Kara, it's good to see you. Yeah, it's really good to see you too, Mark. Yeah, thanks. It's nice, to, good to be seen sometimes. <laughs> but it seems like this this month in between shows goes by so quick. My wife said to me, well, who's your guest? And I go, let's ask a game where she goes, again? I go, well, yeah. Yeah, once a month. It, once a month. <laughs> um, but it goes by really, really quick. And I'm sure... For you, this is has to be one of your busiest times of the year. Yeah, of course. We are just nonstop running around, and it's the time of year where um, we get a lot more of those nighttime calls, you know, late hunting complaints, um, illegal hunting complaints. Uh, so we just like to spend, you know, more of that time out and about. And, yeah, it's, uh, as my husband was reminded, it's that time of year when I get called away from the dinner table more often than not. So. Oh, that, that kind of stinks. Yeah, it does. But like you said, it's all it's all part of the gig. And um, yep. so it only lasts for a few months. Oh, that's it. It's like that uh, in our business, too, over at The Real Shot. It's kind of archery, you know, that July to right about now, November is, is busy time because, and you just mentally prepare yourself for that because right. it's going to be busy. It's going to be crazy. Things are going to. Things are going to happen, but, you know, most guys are out in the woods now, and it's kind of uh, all the business now is more related to stuff that's broken or needs fixing. And sure, guys, yeah. More guys are starting to hit the woods now with it being that. I, I would always try to get into the woods about the 25th of October through the first, second week of November. seems like a lot of the deer are getting active. People are saying that the, you can see a lot more of them getting hit on the road yes. so that's a good indicator for me we had deer outside of the uh the studio here yesterday three three doe running right by our windows here at the studio oh come so on now I'm now be- wouldn't it have been more appropriate if it had been a ter- during tonight's show uh, listen i can't plan it but i can just tell you the deer they're running out everywhere even yeah. in the city of appleton so yeah, well you know be weary. every year there's a nice buck that gets killed right out here on the highway uh, yeah, on yeah. 441 mm-hmm. uh, every year 
I've stopped a couple times as the county guys were picking them up. I saw another guy stop, and and he was checking one out. It's like every year there's one that one or two, but one nice buck that usually gets hit right on the highway right here. But it's that time of year. I think number one, um, you need to be paying attention while you're driving. I mean, the deer you see one, you can almost count on another one being behind it, or uh, you know they. They have a tendency to dart out in front of you. Something's, something's chasing them. They're spooked, but they're they're on the move, and it's interesting uh, to see how that progression. I think it's only going to become more and more. They're going to become more and more active um, as as the uh, next couple of weeks uh, carry on. So. Oh yes, for, definitely. Um, like you mentioned, we're already starting to see you know deer running and deer getting hit, and this is that time of year. So even if you're not a hunter, like you mentioned, you just be aware when you're driving, mm-hmm. especially during those dawn and dusk hours. Um, but yeah, with the rut happening, it's going to be all day long. And uh, it's also a time when we like to remind you know people that if you are um, driving and you end up hitting a deer, um, you can get a tag for that deer. You can take it. Um, you just have to call our Car Kill Deer hotline. Um, it's just a number that you can call. Most sheriff's offices will know it. Um, you can also find it online. Um, you just call them, give them your information, and you're free to take it. A warden doesn't have to come out there or anything like that. Um, so you just get permission from them to take the deer, and you're good to go. We only ask, well, I shouldn't say ask, we require that you take the whole deer. You can't just cut the head off. Right, and it's, I mean, it, what's the protocol on that? Obviously, you've, you've got to call and get permission to take it. What if you, um, you know, you see somebody that hits one and they you know, decline to stop and pick up the deer. You as a as an individual that's behind that and you see it and you'd like to have that deer, do you have to follow the same protocols or is there something that's different if you're not the person that actually hits it? Same exact protocol. Yep. So the priority or the preference goes to the person that hit the deer and if they decline it, then anybody who comes along after that is welcome to take it just as long as they call that car kill deer hotline. And then they grant you permission. They give you any kind of a confirmation number or anything? To yeah, I think they typically do um, give you a confirmation number. You just have to give them, you know, the road it was hit at, county, your name, mm-hmm. information, all that, you know, just general information. Um, and then, yeah, they actually are going to give you a confirmation number, and it'll show up now um, with our new Go Wild system. It'll actually show up as a registered deer under your account. Really? Yeah. So well, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, so we'll see uh, if you hit a deer and you claimed one, I can... Look that up now. Wow. That's that's pretty cool. Um, so you really don't have to uh, um, contact the sheriff's department. They don't come out and put a tag on it or anything like that anymore. You can just call that that uh, that DNR number. Yeah, correct. Yep. The only reason you would need to call the sheriff's office is if you wanted a report for insurance purposes. Insurance. Yep. That's what the insurance company told me. I one time had swerved to avoid hitting a deer, did some damage to my vehicle in the meantime, and they're like, you should just hit the deer. <laughs> I'm like, okay, uh, that doesn't quite make sense to me. But, um, you know, then there's a there's a verified report. Right. There's all of these things that, that go into that. I go, well, next time I guess I'll just plug on. But, you know, <laughs> it's funny. I'm, it's not really funny, but it's, it's, it's weird that, you know, I'm a, an individual that likes to go out and hunt deer, but I will swerve to avoid one. Well, why would you car. want to damage your car? Well, I know. I mean, it's like hitting a, you know, 100-pound block. And you don't know how, how that's going to happen. You don't know what kind of damage you you know it's going to cause or how it might flip onto the vehicle or away from the vehicle. You just never know. You're taking a big risk. Uh, I agree. And and all you have to do is type in, you know, car, deer car crashes on YouTube, and you'd be amazed at some of the stuff that that, oh, yeah. that comes up in there. It's like, oh, my goodness. 
There's one on there where the guy actually hits a, I think he hits an elk. It looked like it was a cow elk with his bike. Ouch. Yeah. I can't, I can't even imagine that happening, but. That just reminded me, I think I saw on Facebook a video of a cross country meet where a kid got plowed over by a deer. Deer come chasing through the field as all these cross country kids are running and one kid just, deer piles right into him. Just plasters them. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's it's weird that those deer sometimes, I've, I've seen them do that. They'll be in a field like perfectly standing. All of a sudden they just dart. Yeah. And they bolt. And they're running as fast as they can. And if you're not paying attention, they, I mean, they're, they they're, don't care. No, they don't. They're not. They're not stopping for you. There's, there's nothing. But it is this time of year. Is be cautious. I mean, a lot of possums, a lot of, a lot of coons, a lot of uh, up north. There was a lot of porcupines uh, dead on the road. I think the critters are just getting into that mode where they're moving around, mm-hmm. trying to feed and do all these kinds of different things. But uh, definitely need to be cautious. More so now than I think any other time of the year um, for, for, for deer because they're, uh, they're moving around. Yeah, for sure. But uh, anyway, you know, um, obviously a busy time for your, for those people just tuning in or maybe not familiar, what, what's going on right now? Do we have all of the seasons open? Are we waiting for anything to open or is it kind of full bore right now? Uh, we are pretty close to full bore, yeah. They, um, this Saturday is really the only thing, it's not hunting, but mink and muskrat trapping opens this upcoming weekend. Um, and then after that, we've got beaver trapping that opens. Uh, into November is obviously our gun seasons, then our gun deer seasons, and we are pretty much done then, you know, or that's all the openers essentially we have. So yeah, last weekend was the big second opener. Um, you know, that kind of middle of September is our first big opener. And mm-hmm. then, um, uh, middle of October is our second big opener. And so yeah, last weekend we had, oh, uh, pheasant, quail, partridge, rough grouse, um, rabbit, uh, coyote, fox, bobcat, fisher trapping, um, raccoon, everything else opened. Yeah, it's 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 pretty much uh, the uh, the guys are in the woods. Yes. What are you What are you encountering now? I mean, from let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit about bow hunting. Are you are you uh, encountering a lot more bow hunters out there now? Yeah, definitely. Um, we can definitely our state lands in particular. We see a lot more bow hunters out on the properties and um, it, more consistently. Uh, weekends for sure are busier than weekdays, but even now mm-hmm. guys are starting to get out after work um, and making that time when before they might have opted not to. We're sure. definitely seeing that even on the weekdays. Well, I think guys too are waiting for this time of the year to, to take some of that vacation. Yes. You know, if there's any time of the year, you can plan on the last couple of weeks of October into November. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, obviously guys are out and they're using a lot of this public land. Are there still a lot of restrictions on tree stands and ground blinds? I know I've had multiple questions about that in the store. Uh, maybe you can help, uh, the listeners understand what are some of the things they need to be conscious of when they're out there? Yeah. So I will talk about state lands <coughs> south of 64. So our state lands north of 64, we recently opened up and you can now leave your tree stands overnight. But for the majority of our listening area, we're south of 64. So on any state land south of 64, you the only thing you're allowed to leave up overnight is a trail camera. And that trail camera has to be identified with your name and address or your customer ID number. If it doesn't have one of those two things on there and we find it, we will likely 
sees it as, uh, you know, as an illegally placed trail camera. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing about tree stands is you cannot leave those up overnight. The compl- Every part of that tree stand needs to come down at the end of shooting hours. So you can leave it, you know, set it up in the morning, hunt in the morning, leave for lunch, come back in the afternoon. But when you leave it for lunch, you need to have the date, customer ID, um, name and address on it. Uh, as well. So if you're going to leave it during the middle of the day, it's got to be clearly labeled that it's yours. Today's the day you're leaving it up and you'll be back for it essentially and take it down at the end of close of hours that day. Um, A few other big things that we see that are also violations are people who damage trees. So whether they're using screw in steps or um, cutting branches to create shooting lanes or to camouflage their blind, all of those damage to trees essentially is it is illegal on state properties. So, um, yeah, any anything like that where you're going to want to avoid doing um, because same thing happens, you know, um, if we find it, we're taking it, you know, mm-hmm. unless um, in, in the chances that, you know, we may essentially work the stand, try to catch the person in the stand. Sure. Um, but know that there's a, not many of us and a lot of stands get left up. So sometimes it's just easier to just take it and say, call me if you want your stand back. Leave a little note saying, yeah. uh, <laughs> if you want this back, please feel free to contact me. Yeah. Do, they, do, do they call you? I've had a few callbacks. Have you? Yeah. I mean, especially with your real nice stands or people who um, were generally genuinely unaware that they were on state land. Maybe okay. it's kind of close to a private property. Um, so we get some callbacks, but most people know that it's illegal. They're not allowed to be doing it, and they buy the cheapest of stands and cut their losses. Cut their so. losses. What's a fine for that, care if I can ask? Um, our fine is, uh, I'm going to have to look that up, but I think it's going to be in that you know $200 range. I mean, all none of our fines are probably cheap. Probably more than what the stand would cost. Yeah, you know? probably. Well, some of those stands out there are pretty expensive, but you know. It depends on, yeah, what type of stand you buy, right. but yeah, and generally it's more expensive. And I'm guessing when you're talking tree stand, that would also include the sticks, climbing sticks and everything. So that's completely yeah. everything. Because some guys are like, well, I took my stand down while the sticks are still there. Is that considered part of that? Yes, it that, is. That uh, availability to that stand. Yep. So anything you leave up overnight is illegal unless it's a trail camera. So okay. um, trail cameras are the only thing we've permitted to be left up overnight. Everything else has to come out of the woods, um, including, so your ground blinds, your man-made ground blinds. Those, once again, as well, need to come out at the end of the hunting hours. Um and during the gun deer season, we'll talk about the need to have blaze orange on your ground blinds. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this time of year, it's not required. The only other thing is uh, with ground blinds, some people build those um, dead vegetation blinds, you know, in the sure. woods. Mm-hmm. Those are legal. You can do that. So if you find down and dead vegetation, you can create a blind with down and dead vegetation and leave that. You don't have to dismantle it every day. Okay. Um, but y- it's also not yours. So um, if another hunter gets in there ahead of time and sits in that blind that you created, um, too bad, so sad. He yeah. got there first. Should have woke up earlier. Yeah, should have got up a little earlier. I know. There, do you do you run into altercations like that where you have to, you know, you have to interfere? Or does that how how does the situation get rectified? Normally, um, we hear about it after the fact. Okay. So I don't <clears throat> always run into it um, in the field, or I don't often run into it in the field. But occasionally we'll get a complaint that, you know, somebody confronted another hunter and was really aggressive or harassed mm-hmm. them. Um, then we'll get a, you know, hunter harassment complaint after the fact and have to investigate that. Uh, we can also, I know I've talked to hunters and um, 
you know, some, well, I don't even hunt state land anymore because of all the issues I've had. And it's like, sure. well, you have to report that stuff, you know, so that we can look into it. Because if we don't know what's happening out there, if there is somebody that goes out and is harassing other hunters because they're trying to claim an area or territory, mm-hmm. that's illegal. They can't be doing that. So um, they're going to need to be talked to. And if you don't report them, then it's just going to continue. And right. we don't want that to happen. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of times people ignore it. They don't report it. But then it just continues to build and be a problem. And Eventually, we hear about it, but eventually, then it it probably gets to that point where it's you know a pretty bad situation. Yeah, exactly. Now let's talk a little bit about um, you know anti hunters. Obviously, there's a lot of people out there who think it's within their um, legal rights to bang pots and pans and make noise and do all kinds of things to harass hunters. What are the the legal aspects of that? Yeah, so you can't do that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so the, essentially the law says you cannot interfere um, with any legal hunting, trapping, or fishing activity, um, harass or interfere with any of that. So if you are setting out to intentionally disrupt somebody's hunt um, by banging pots and pans, you could be cited for that. And actually the second offense within five years is a crime. Really? So they, um, a few years ago, maybe it was last year, I can't quite remember, but they did stiffen the penalties on those hunter harassment um, issues. So yeah, the first one's just a ticket, but the second one in five years could be a criminal offense. Um, so you you definitely don't want to be doing that. Um, but y- you know, the other thing, what we get called into often is some of these um, user conflicts where um, you have two neighboring landowners. One landowner is out there hunting, you know, a small parcel of land, their property, but they're out there hunting it. And the neighboring landowner, um, also a smaller parcel, gets out in the morning to mow his lawn. Uh, well, he's just yeah. doing it to scare the deer away. Well, I, we can't prove that. Um, and he can mow his lawn whenever he wants to mow his lawn. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. I, I can't enforce when somebody mows their lawn. So um, it, it kind of can be this fine line. You know, if we can obviously prove intent with um, to disrupt a hunt, then that is definitely something we can pursue. So I often tell people who think they're being harassed, you know, to document it, um, whether it's through photographs or videos. You know, if, if somebody walks up to you and says... I hate hunters and get out of here and I'm going to do everything I can to prevent you from shooting a deer today. Mm-hmm. Well, that'd be a good thing to catch on camera because that's pretty clear and obvious that's harassment. Um, but yeah, if it's just somebody that likes to mow their lawn early or late, you know, you know, there's not much we can do about that. Right. And I've heard horror stories about guys who have, you know, you obviously have property lines. Sometimes those interfere because guys put the stands there for a reason because there's deer activity in that area. Um, I heard stories of, of people who come out and walk their dogs or as much as drive their four-wheelers up and down that Proper. property line. Yeah. Yep. And it's the same thing. You know, if you're you're allowed to operate a four-wheeler on mm-hmm. your property, you're allowed to walk your dog on your property. Right. And there's nothing I can do to prevent that. And so I actually, I this is very timely. If a week or so ago, I got a complaint for just that reason. You know, mm-hmm. somebody set up their stand 10 yards away from a property line and... Um, the other landowner doesn't want them to retrieve game on their property. So it's like, I get that, you know, you should tell them, but also if, if they do lose a deer on your property, there's not much we can do about it. You know, um, we can't prevent them from shooting deer or hunting there. They have a legal right to hunt there and you have a right to not allow them onto your property. So, um, it really just, yeah, it comes down to sometimes working it out, you know, trying to come to a common ground and understanding one another. Um, 
I agree, Karen. I, I've done that in the past with my property. The first thing I did when I, when I purchased it was find out who all the neighbors were and, and created some reciprocity. It's like, okay, I know you guys all hunt. Yeah. And if you shoot one, you're more than welcome to go out to my property, to retrieve it. I would much rather have you recover the deer than have it sit there and, and die. Mm-hmm. And I developed that with all four of my surrounding neighbors. Uh, and, and we all had that agreement. I'm like, okay, it, as long as this, this happens to me, you're going to allow me to do that. And I got all their phone numbers. And like, it, it, it's only happened a couple times where I had to go onto somebody else's property. But of course I was granted access. But I think, um, you know, in my situation, uh, I, I granted those people permission to retrieve deer, but I think they took that as an opportunity to drive my piece of property as well. So <laughs> I go, I, I approached them on the situation. I said, Hey, um, were you guys, did you guys have to retrieve a deer on my property? Well, no, we didn't have to. And I go, well, were you hunting on my property? And that was back in the time when they were back tags. Sure. And, uh, they said, no, we didn't hunt on your property. I go, I pulled out a picture and I said, this is you. I sent your back tag number. <laughs> you know, I, so all you have to do is be honest with me. And I said, I'll, I'll be real honest with you. I would never do that to you on your property. I would ex- expect this, the same. Um, now if you would have called me and said, Hey, you know what? It was the day after Thanksgiving, I w- was pretty much done hunting at that point in time. I would have, I would have given permission to drive it. If you guys want to drive it onto your property, I wouldn't have had a problem with that. But don't, yeah, don't create a scenario and go onto my property when you have no permission. And I said, also, you have a son that has a mini bike, and he goes, uh, yeah. Why do you ask? I go, I've kicked him off my property three times already. So I again going back to get to know your neighbors. And yes. get that agreement up front so you, you don't have to worry about that on, on the backside and, and create, lessen the, uh, the ability for a bad situation. So Yeah, and I always encourage, whether it's at hunter ed classes or hunters in general, if you're going to go on somebody else's property, even if you have permission, just call them right. ahead of time. Just yep. make them aware. Yep. Maybe they've got something going on that property that today is not a good day for you to be out there. That mm-hmm. way you know and you're not offending them. So I always just recommend before you go on somebody's property, just give them a call. You know, we have the ability to text and stuff. You can answer a, a text real easily in, yeah. a, in, a, in the stand because you don't know if somebody's going to be hunting there or not. So. Yeah, for All sure. Right. All right, well, listen, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. When we come back, we'll have more of our monthly edition of Ask a Game Warden here on The Score. Welcome back to Living the Outdoors here on The Score. Thanks for joining us tonight. I'm your host, Mark Druick. It is our monthly edition of Ask a Game Warden. So if you have a question or a comment, 281-1570 or 866-653-1570. We'd love to hear from you. And you can also uh, please continue to send the emails to livingtheoutdoorswi at gmail.com or you can follow me on Instagram as well. So we kind of left off talking about, um, you know, property and things of that nature. Is there is there a stipulation of how far you can have a tree stand on a property line. So I've heard that too. I can't believe my neighbor put a tree stand, like one tree off, like five feet off the property line. Are there any regulations or stipulations for that care? No, there's not. So if you have permission on that property, put up a stand, you can put up a stand on that property anywhere, including on the property line. Okay. I mean, I've had guys put up a stand in the tree that sits on the property line, you know, on their side. It, so like... And it definitely causes user conflict, you know, oh, or sure. neighbor conflict. Oh, you just is sitting there to shoot deer onto my field. 
Well, it won't, if you walks onto your field to retrieve that deer, then that's trespassing and you should call the sheriff's office. But until that happens, there's not anything that I or the sheriff can do about it. Good answer. How about shooting onto somebody else's property? So shooting onto somebody else's property is uh, the same thing. Um, It would technically be considered trespassing, but a lot of sheriff's departments aren't going to enforce it until they physically enter the property. Okay. So... Uh, it's one of those, you know, you can always check with your sheriff's department and see what their um, take on it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I have heard occasionally that maybe a, a sheriff's department would enforce it, but I think the vast majority of it aren't going to unless they physically walk onto the property. And that's something the DNR really is not, does, doesn't get involved with trespassing, is it? No, we just don't have trespassing authority. The only trespassing authority that we have is really regarding like ATVs and snowmobiles. So if somebody okay. takes their ATV or snowmobile onto your property, then we can write a citation for that. But uh, just walking or hunting on another's property without permission is something mm-hmm. that the sheriff's department enforces. How, how is it for wardens? Are you guys have the ability to, if you are suspicious of something, to just check it out? Yeah, absolutely. So warden authority, um, well, actually, it's all law enforcement in the state of Wisconsin. Um, There's a doctrine called the Open Fields Doctrine, which basically says that um, a landowner doesn't have um, the privacy, the right essentially to privacy and anywhere that is considered an open field, which is basically anything outside of the curtilage of your home. So Mm -hmm. your grass, your driveway, the area around your home is is private and we can't enter that. Um, But the back 40, farm fields, um, that's what we call open fields and any law enforcement in the state of Wisconsin can access that. Um, And as wardens, um, the reason that wardens often access private property is for that exact reason, that we receive a complaint or information that there is a, um, a suspected violation on a property. Um, so generally, we're just not walking onto properties willy-nilly just because we want to check somebody's private right, property right. out. That's not how we run business. Um, it's generally because we we have an issue um, or a, a sus- suspect a violation on that property. Yeah, that's, um, I know a lot of people were up in arms about that. Well, I just can't walk onto my property. Well, I guess you shouldn't have to worry about it if you're unless you're doing something wrong. Yeah, and you know, wardens too <clears throat> also have the authority to just check a license. So it's it's a little different than you know, a police officer um, when you're in a car. You know, they have to have a reason to stop you before they check your driver's license. Mm-hmm. But it's opposite with hunting and fishing. If you engage in hunting, fishing, or trapping, um, and we can uh, we observe you out there mm-hmm. recreating, um, we can just asked you to see your license. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's listed in all of our regulation booklets that wardens have that authority, um, a license inspection authority um, to do that. So yeah, if I see somebody, you know, sitting at the edge of a field, I might walk up to them and check their license. Um, and so, yeah, we do have the authority to do that, um, whether you're on public or private land. That's interesting. It's, there's all, everybody's got a different take on, you know, what the you know it's like I well this is my own private property nobody come in and you know yeah, and check it, me here and it is it, it can be a very contentious issue and um but the way I think that the state of Wisconsin kind of views that or the reason that we have those laws in place is essentially um you know the wildlife in Wisconsin belongs to everybody correct 
until it is legally harvested. So, or I should say it belongs to the state until it's legally harvested. So um, if we as wardens would never be able to enter private property to verify somebody's legally hunting, um, you almost privatize wildlife in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you, you kind of everything on, that on that property belongs to that landowner, which really isn't the, you know, model that Wisconsin um, has been following. Um, right. Wildlife belongs to everybody and everybody is expected to follow these rules to keep wildlife um, preserved, um, or, you know, or conserve wildlife for future generations. You know, it, it's, uh, it, they couldn't be a better uh, explanation to that because it's like these, none of these animals belong, they're free ranging. You know, yeah. they're not fenced in. They can go wherever they, wherever they want to go. And I've gotten in that discussion multiple times about, you know, because always, there's always a discussion every year about the crossbow, and that you know all the guys are shooting all the big bucks and all this stuff. And it's like, I've I've gotten into so many arguments about that. It's like, well, that just because that buck was on your property for X amount of time, this time of year they could be five miles down the road. You right. know, I mean, it, he may have have a territory or whatever but they don't belong to you right they belong to anyone who has the opportunity to legally harvest that animal exactly and that's what we tell our hunter safety or when i present at hunter safety classes you know that this these wildlife it, it belongs to everybody it belongs to the state of wisconsin until somebody legally harvests it so yeah you, you may be watching a buck all summer long or you know you may be watching a deer on your trail camera hoping for that opportunity to harvest it but if you don't put in the work, time, and effort to do that, mm-hmm. um, and somebody else does, and they shoot it legally, you can't blame them because it crossed property lines, you know. Mm-hmm. But now, conversely, if somebody goes out um, and illegally harvests that deer at night, you know, then yeah, they definitely took some mm-hmm. hunting opportunities away from you. So we do want you know people to report stuff like that so that we can prosecute those people who are poaching deer or any other wildlife, um, just so that we can maintain this fairness or this, you know, equal, everybody's got to follow the same rules. Oh, exactly. And, and, you know, why don't you tell the listeners, Kara, don't, you know, obviously it's anonymous, but if you see something that's just wrong and it's bothering you, what, what course of action do they have? You see, if, if we always tell people that if you see somebody out there violating a law or you know that somebody's out violating a law, um, especially if it's a stranger, somebody you don't know, Mm -hmm. um, we don't encourage you to confront them because, well, unfortunately, you you may not have complete knowledge of the law. They may not have complete knowledge of the law. And when two people who neither one of them has more authority than the other one get into an argument, you know, bad things can result. Mm -hmm. And we don't want that to happen. So um, we never encourage you to confront a stranger about hunting regulations. Um, please call our tip line. Um, our tip line is really easy to remember. It's 1-800-TIP-WDNR. Um, it's actually on all of our hunting regulation booklets. Um, it, you, it's really easy to find. You can call or text that number and you can remain anonymous. It's answered 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. So it's really easy to get a hold of us to report a violation. You know, we always ask for the more information, the better. Um, and if you do leave your name and number, I always call my complainants back to at least say thank you for calling. Right. Um, and then uh, let them know that we did investigate it. Or maybe there's just not enough information and we can't. But we'll we'll just patrol that area more. You know, we'll make mm-hmm. our presence known. So I just like to call the complainant back to let them know, you know, what I plan to do with the case. Um, and it, maybe sometimes they were wrong. Maybe that is legal to do and they just didn't know that. So right. I've had that happen a few times where somebody's called to report a, 
a fishing in a refuge violation and I call back to be like, well, good news. They weren't doing it illegally. That refuge is no longer in place or whatever the case is. Right. Um, so it's a good thing to do as well. Um, so, yeah, if, if you don't know them, please don't confront them. Call our tip line, um, 1-800-TIP-WDNR. Um, or text it. Um, but if you do know them, you know, I always tell, like, I get this question every once in a while in my hunter ed classes, like, you really expect me to call in and my, you know, grandpa or dad or mom? And no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Not if you want to maintain a family relationship. Yeah, we, anyway. you know, we've all got family. Right. Um, in, you know, you don't pick your family, but um, you can pick who you hunt with. And you can pick to um, hunt with people who abide by our hunting Mm -hmm. regulations. Um, And, and, you know, if maybe it's just a conversation with whoever you hunt with to, you know, remind them maybe that shooting hours do close at a specific time or that um, bait in this county is no longer allowed or bait in this county is limited to two gallons or we do have to remove our tree stands, you know. So maybe just those reminders will help get that person back on track. But yeah, please don't confront people you don't know. Uh, good idea. And when you talk about, you know, um, information, and, and are there any tidbits that you might have for somebody if the, you know, are there certain things that they should be looking for to provide you guys with the right information so you can investigate properly? Yeah, we are always looking for, um, I guess, as much detail as possible. In this day and age, I mean, you mentioned back tags earlier. We we obviously don't have those anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can get a picture of somebody, you know, you're sitting up in your bow stand and somebody drives past and shoots out their vehicle, you know, at a deer in the field you're watching, you know, just a picture of that vehicle or um, you might not even be able to see the license plate. But if you can, yeah, the license plate's really great okay. identifying information. Um, Um, And if you can't get a picture or any sort of identifying information, just give us as much detail as possible. I always joke in my hunter safety classes that, you know, if you tell me that you just witnessed uh, a black pickup truck with two white guys wearing orange shoot out of it, I can't help you. Like, it's like those are a dime a dozen. I'm not going to lie during the gun deer season. So I might be able to patrol the area more, but I probably won't be able to locate that black truck with two guys wearing orange in it. Uh, it's just not going to happen. So yeah. um, we need that information. Just so as much detail as you can possibly provide, the time, location, if you have GPS coordinates or something to, you know, maybe it's a tree stand in the woods, GPS coordinates, or give me as much detail as you can to get me to that area, mm-hmm. you know, so that I can potentially find evidence of a violation um, is always really helpful. I've always looked at it as look for something distinguishing. Okay, it's a black pickup truck. Okay, tailgate down it's bent or no tailgate or a dent in the in the vehicle, one headlights out, all that kind of stuff. Because you, even you take a look on the news and they and they describe all of these, mm-hmm. you know, these people who are uh, you know criminals, if you want to call them that. But and the 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 descriptions are so generic. Yeah. I mean that description describes about two thirds of the population. Yeah. Yes, they can be. And so, yeah, we always, yeah, try to encourage people, like you said, to get either get a picture, you know, that can help us or, you know, like you said, try to find something specific. You know, maybe they have a bunch of bumper stickers or one mm-hmm. really large sticker in the rear window or sure. something along those lines to help us out. You know, it might narrow it down just a little bit. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not a car nut, but, you know, I've occasionally ran into, you know, people who are um, calling in a complaint who are big, you know, they just know making models of vehicles sure. and i love that it's like all right i don't know what you're talking about but if you can tell me then mm-hmm. i can help you know 
um, that's great information. So um, good deal. Yeah, I've done even like photo lineups of vehicles, you know, to help identify a oh, suspect okay. vehicle, you know. So if we got it narrowed down and we think we know who it is and um, we've done that if you're willing to, you know, help us out. So, um, yeah, we'll go to great lengths if you if you call in a good complaint and we've got some information to run on. So. Perfect. All right. With that, we are going to go ahead and take another break. When we come back, we'll have more of our monthly edition of Ask a Game Warden here on Living the Outdoors on The Score. Welcome back to Living the Outdoors here on The Score. I'm your host, Mark Druick. Little Molly Hatchet there. Thanks, Alex. Well done. You're very welcome. I'm pretty good at the music. You I really are. Well, you stump me, but you know. Um, I try and keep it 70s, 80s rock. Sometimes I'll throw in a 2000s rock song, but uh, you're pretty good at uh, identifying these songs. Well, at my age, that's kind of like my, uh, your, my your, era of your music. Your era of genre, if you will. You know, yeah. Absolutely. So it's uh, I'm doing all right though. That's oh, what I like d- to hear. You do a great job. Well, Alex. thank you. I appreciate that. Hey, it's our monthly edition of Ask a Game Board, and Warden Kara Kamke is joining me here in the studio. And you know, we've been trying not to talk too much about deer stuff because about a month from now we'll be doing our two-hour special over at Fleet Farm, and that's when we really get into the the nitty-gritty of deer hunting. Absolutely. Yeah, so. it's going to be a good uh, another two-hour episode. And so, yeah, if you have those questions, send them in so that we can make sure to address that because. You know, I live these regulations and talk about them all the time. So mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, even the most obvious regulations, like I recall at the fishing event, we were asking about what kind of fishing licenses do you need? And I'm telling them, they're like, oh, but only if you're over 16, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah, how could I have forgotten that part? <laughs> it's just because I, you know, I just do right. it so much. So sometimes I forget the little stuff that. Right. Um, but so, yeah, if you have a question, please send it in and we'll be sure to address it next month. Yeah, absolutely. I usually put some uh, um, some teasers out there for people to send in some questions and, and we'll try and get those answered. Um, but I do want to talk about, um, you know, before we wrap up the show about waterfall hunting. I mean, obviously right now it's kind of like the peak of that, you know, you got the peak of the, the rut starting and, you know, the migration is starting. There's tons of birds around here right now and, um, and, and things of that nature. Let's, let's talk a little bit about some of those regulations. Cause obviously we've got a lot of urban hunting that goes on around here, which is legal. It is. But, um, you know, how, how for you that has to propose some pretty big challenges because you could be hunting in a field and, and there could be houses within X amount of distance in there, but it's totally legal. How does how do you deal with something like that? Yeah, hunting in the urban areas tend to generate more user conflict just in general. And with, um, you know, archery hunting is legal in the urban, all urban areas and it's it's more of a silent sport. So you don't, I don't get many complaints, but duck hunting, obviously shotguns Mm -hmm. going off early mornings, late at night. Um, it always is a cause of user conflicts. You know, people upset about noise or about seeing hunting when they're not a fan of hunting. Um, or I, I often get complaints, you know, of people who are, um, you know, they, uh, putting down in a wounded duck um, by breaking its neck. I, I get complaints on that sort of action. Um, so, yeah, it, I do get... Um, a lot of complaints regarding urban hunting, especially waterfall hunting. Um, but really how we handle that is just to make the complainant aware, you know, that people have a right to hunt, that, it, you know, it is part of um, what's allowed, um, that the township who w- regulates 
the discharge of firearms, has authorized the discharge of firearms in this area, and provided that the hunters are not hunting within 100 yards of another person's home or dwelling, um, and they're not within 50 feet of the roadway center, um, or shooting across the roadway, they're legal to hunt there. So, you know, I'll often offer to check the hunters to verify that, you know, they have their proper licenses, that they're following our regulations, um, but really that they have a legal right to be there. So it's it's often a delicate conversation, you know, between two people just trying to explain, um, you know, that they do have, a, hunters have a legal right to be there in that, you know, if, if the non-hunter is really, you know, concerned about the ability to hunt there because maybe it is developing more, to approach the town board um, about their safety concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't like to see hunting ever being taken away from an area, but especially in urban areas, development happens so fast that yeah. there are just sometimes when it's not safe or it's getting to be unsafe to hunt in a sp- specific area um, because of all the houses going up. So yeah. No, I agreed. And I think... From a hunter's perspective, too, are there some things that you recommend to those guys who are out there to um, to be conscious of when they're doing that in these areas? I do. You know, um, hunters that hunt in urban areas, you just have to know people are going to be watching you more. Mm-hmm. So the way in which you handle yourself and talk to these people who may approach you about your hunting activity is really important. Um, I really... We always tell our hunter ed kids that the way, you know, you interact with a non-hunting public um, kind of reflects upon all the hunting public because mm-hmm. they're going to now forever think that all hunters are just like you. Right. Um, and so if you have a really, um, you know, if you kind of take a, well, I'm allowed to be here attitude and I don't care that you don't like that I'm here, that's going to, that's not going to turn out very well for them, you know, or that person's now going to leave with a bad image of hunters. So um, we, yeah, encourage you that if you are going to put a game down like birds, um, do it discreetly, you know, um, be considerate of, uh, you know, the houses around you. Um, There's really nothing I can say that, you know, I would encourage, I guess, a hunter to do besides just be considerate of the homes around you. Mm -hmm. Um, You have permission to hunt that field, but if you want to continue to have permission to hunt that field, you need to maintain a good, you know, relationship. Um, So maybe that means not getting out there at the crack of dawn when everybody's trying to sleep in or... Maybe that means, you know, doing an afternoon hunt instead of an early morning hunt. Yeah. Um, so. It boils down to um, respect. It does. You know, and every time I'm out there and I'm, I'm participating in that stuff, you're always going to have somebody who's going to, you know, stop and question. I think, again, like you said, Kara, represent yourself in a, in a professional manner and carry that banner for the rest of the guys who want to get out and enjoy this part. Use it as an, an opportunity to hopefully maybe educate somebody. Yeah, I agree. Know. Education is great and, you know... Um, You can provide them information if they have questions for you, you know, answer them, but professionally and if they're, you know, starting to confrontational, Mm -hmm. um, I would just ask them to, you know, provide them the tip line. They can call the tip line too. If they have concerns, you can call the tip line. Um, And yeah, get get law enforcement involved. We don't necessarily need a conflict, a verbal conflict resulting into a physical conflict um, over that. So Yeah, I mean, have your ducks in a row, you know, have the landowners. If I was hunting on, on property like that, I always have the landowner's name. You know, and then, um, you know, say, okay, well, you know, the township does have, they allow this to happen. The town of Harrison or whatever it is allows that to happen. I have permission to be here and, you know, uh, have all of those things available to you that can kind of, I was looking at take that away from people before they can give it to you. Right. Yeah. And if you've got written permission from the landowner, that's even better because, Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, when the uh, sheriff's office gets called, you know, that's what they're going to ask you the first thing. Right. Do you have permission to be here? You right. know, and so <laughs> having that written permission from landowners is helpful in that aspect. Um, and yeah, knowing knowing the ordinances and checking into them before you go out hunting. Don't assume that you you can hunt somewhere just because you've been given permission by the landowner. Check with those local ordinances. Yeah. And uh, let's talk a little bit about, um, now do you far, go as far as, uh, you don't go too far into Winnebago County, do you? Not too far. No, I just cover Menasha. Okay. All right. I'm just, I haven't been out to the Eline Waterfall Restoration Area for quite a while and I was kind of curious on my own part if that's still open for mm. duck hunting. I, I don't know if it is or not. And I thought maybe you might know if it is. I don't know. I can okay. get you an answer. That's, okay. Well, good. I can always I'm, get you an answer. I don't want to be right paddling now. out there with my canoe. I, I believe it still is, but um, I'm just not 100% sure. It's been so long since I've been out there. They've, sure. done a lot of, they've done a lot of work out there and they've got a big kiosk out there with a bunch of information of what they've done. Um, I've been out there walking, but um, yeah, it's a, uh, um, when it comes to waterfall hunting, it seems like there's so many things that you do need to be conscious of. Um, and one of them I want to talk a little bit about before we uh, end the show is blinds. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's got to be a confrontational issue for you as well. It definitely um, can be. Let's talk about that a little bit. So people are a little bit more aware of what your, what you, your rights are as a person who built a blind. Sure. So, um, if you put a blind out, um, if you put a blind out, you know, you once again have to, um, you only allowed to put it out seven days prior to the waterfall season. It needs to be removed seven days after the close of a waterfall season. So it's not like a DNR or a hunting blind, um, on state land. Um, you are allowed to leave it up overnight. Um, unless it, it does have to have your name, address, and customer ID number on it. Okay. Um, so those do have to be on there so that we know whose they are. So that way, if they are lef- left up, just like a ice shanty, that mm-hmm. we know whose it is and can come talk to you. Um, so, but just because you put a blind up there, it doesn't we necessarily make it yours if it's on public property. Um, I mean, the water is shared by everybody. So it, it does come down to that can a hunter ethic scenario um you know somebody did put in the effort to put out a blind there no that doesn't necessarily reserve that spot for that hunter um somebody else could potentially use that um but also you know is that always the right thing to do um you know yeah so uh, it, it does come down to this hunter ethic thing um which we've been discussing and uh just having respect for those other hunters I think that's the key. It, there is, there has to be an understanding there. And I think people just need to know more of, of how to deal with that and, and be uh, conscious and have the respect for your, your fellow hunters. But um, we're going to go ahead and take our last break. When we come back, we're going to wrap it up here on Living the Outdoors on The Score. All right, welcome back. For the last segment of uh, Living the Outdoors, it's our monthly edition of Ask a Game Warden. Warden Kara Kampke is joining me here in the studio, and uh, we've just been kind of talking about all kinds of stuff. You know, obviously a lot of waterfall stuff going on. There's a lot of hunting going on around in this area right now, and I think it's just going to continue um, to pick up. So I encourage you, know, again, to be respectful of not only the landowner and your fellow hunters, but um, all of the general public as well, because some of them don't maybe realize what you're doing or don't know that it's legal. Um, and you know, as you, as you said previously, Kara, a lot of these places that guys hunt are, are being surrounded by an urbanized. Yes. A lot of, we're just 
we're growing. Wisconsin's growing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, be considerate of everybody. I think that is the key. You know, respect is is the word, and and um, you know, appreciate the opportunity. Don't look at it as a as a right as much of a as it is a privilege uh, to go out and be able to do these things. Because I think eventually, when it comes to around here, a lot of this land that people are hunting on now will you know turn into you know neighborhoods and things of that nature. But you know, you're pretty fortunate when you take a look at it. You can drive five minutes from here and go goose hunting. Yeah, not even. Yeah. I mean, it, right yeah, down the road here. Right down the road. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, there are definitely opportunities to go out, um, even if you live in big cities like Appleton, Oshkosh, Nenaminash, sure. Green Bay, the Fox Valley. I mean, we have areas like you mentioned, five, fifteen, twenty minutes away. Um, good hunting opportunities. Um, you just got to put in the time and the effort, um, and just be respectful of those um, adjacent landowners. Yeah, that's critical. And and again, even with um, you know with waterfowl hunting, if you're goose hunting and you're hunting on somebody's property line, it's always good to know who that adjacent landowner is, because uh, they don't always fall on the property that you're hunting. That is very true. Yes, you can't quite control that. No. So it's uh, again no different than you know the deer hunting thing. You have to you have to be aware of that and be conscious of that. Do your homework. Take the time to do that. So you have all the answers. You know, I think it's about educating yourself uh, and, and being aware of all those things. And, I mean, I, I will be honest with you, reading the waterfowl regulations is is uh, quite an undertaking. <laughs> There's a <laughs> yes. lot of stuff in there. Yes. Uh, but um, not unlike any of the regulations. But I think, <clears throat> you know, if you're out there and not, and not you're not going to have constant action all the time, everybody's got a smartphone. I think uh, I have the um, the regulations pulled up in, in, uh, in my – my browser. So if there's a question or I, I need to be aware of something, I'm looking for a timetable. Yeah. Find out exactly what the shooting hours are, which I think, again, is pretty critical. Yes. Um, and we had mentioned a few, uh, maybe it was last month, um, that Hunt Wild app, it has those in there. You can download those, have those ready, like you mentioned. You're not always going to have action. So reading the regulations, we always encourage you to do it before the season. But like you said, if mm-hmm. you're just sitting in the blind and nothing's happening, it's a good time to refresh it. You'll learn something. I can guarantee it. Something's probably changed that you forgot about. Every year before season start, I read through the regulations just because you have to. I have to. I have to know them all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it just comes down to that. And uh, I just wanted to jump back before we end our show here um, that to answer a few of your questions that I missed, uh, the just the fine for having a tree stand up on state property overnight is $200.50. So just wow. about $200 even. And um, the Uline property is open to duck hunting. Oh. Got that answer that quick. There Perfect. you go. Perfect. Oh, well done. Thank you so much. It's, uh, um, that's that's great to know. It's a, I, we used to hunt on Rush Lake, and that was a place that we uh, we found that was open to hunting before really the public knew it. Sure. Had some great, great uh, gunning out there years ago. But now it's it's a little bit more popular. Guys, guys. Uh, uh, get out there and, and hunt that quite a bit, but at this time of the year, there's less less people. Sure. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Kara, it's, uh, again, great to see you. I'm looking forward to our um, to our special coming up in uh, in November. Uh, will we will we do that over at Fleet Farm? We'll have more information piled up for you as we move forward with that as well. So great to see you. And we'll see you in November. Yeah. See ya. Have a uh, good fall. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Again, it's always a pleasure for me to sit in this chair and share my passion for living the outdoors. And always remember. If you have the opportunity to impact somebody's life through the outdoors, take advantage of it. It'll make you a better person. Have a great evening and live life in the outdoors. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.